p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Well, what's up, everybody? I uh, appreciate you taking the time to tune in and listen to and tap the link for another conversation of, huh? Where we get the curious minds thinking about all things. Today, we have our good friend, Jason Saltzman who's a, a longtime entrepreneur and uh, is kind of currently in the, in the phase of launching a new app and, and something that is top of mind, I believe, for most individuals, definitely here in the U.S., but worldwide more than ever is financial freedom, debt. But aside from all that, he's got many experiences that I think we're going to look to get into and just talk a little bit about life. And, and the stresses, the, the, the trials, the victories, and, and how navigating it and, and how to stay happy throughout. So Jason, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you taking the time. I know, uh, at least I believe that you just moved, uh, just moved out of the beloved New York City. Where are you coming at from today? I did. Well, first off, Tyler, thanks for having me. And yeah, thanks for, uh, let's, I'm excited to have a, a very dope conversation with you guys. Um, I, my wife and I just moved from Manhattan to Colorado to Boulder. So we traded like the mean, the concrete jungle for bears. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what inspired the move? You know, during the pandemic, we, uh, we had a really, we had a really, really good chance to reset. We got out of Dodge, small apartment in Gramercy, saw the lockdown coming, follow a bunch of really smart people on Twitter. I was like, we got to get the hell out of here. And we went to the mountains and we fell in love. We were hiking, we were breathing better. We were exercising more. So we ultimately knew after that happened, you know, and I think for a lot of people, like the pandemic just hit us in the face. Like, what do I want to do with my life? You know, like Mm -hmm. not just like work and career, but like, what do I want to surround myself with? What do I want to be around? So it became like, how? And so things just panned out, you know, we willed it, we worked hard and we were able to move out here. You know, I moved out here yesterday. (laughs) So I'm like, it's great, but I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just got back from, I was three days on 35 acres in upstate New York uh, with my family. And I just got back last night at nine o'clock. We're recording right now at like four o'clock and uh, it's a different, it's a different world. It's a different game. And, and off the back of that, one thing I'd love to just hear from you a little bit about, and especially as an entrepreneur or an individual that's going for something that they, these changes, you know, you, you, all of a sudden you're, you're forced to move because of the pandemic. You start to realize some new things that you like and you have a partner and, and you've kind of come to this decision. We want to do it. But then you pick your head up and you realize there's life, right? You've got, whether it's a lease, you've got all your friends, you've got responsibilities, you've got routines, you've got nuances that are, that are based there. I think I, I draw parallel paths to that of whether maybe someone's starting a business and there's a lot of external factors and variables in life that sometimes are, are thought of first before making the decision of actually what you want to do. Can you talk a little bit about that? Even simply, hey, we're going to up and move from New York City to Boulder, Colorado. The the conviction that that takes after realizing, hey, it's what we want to do. 
what are then the next steps? Because I think in, in work, someone that's working 55, 60 hours a week, loving it. A lot of times their toughest battles are with the people that they love telling them that they want more of them or, Hey, you're going to, you're going to up and move to Boulder, Colorado. What about mm -hmm. the last 10 years of our relationship? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Good questions. Good points. I think it really starts with assessing what you need, right? Where you're at in life and what you need. And you really have to believe in your heart that you're putting yourself into the best possible outcomes, surrounding yourself around awesome people, positive people, whacking out every negative person and vibe that you can out of your life at the same time. And then assessing, you know, where you can grow as a person, you know, not just business-wise, but personally, how, what's going to make you better. And one of the reasons why I love New York City when I first started my entrepreneurial journey, and I think as I grew, you know, that changed, right? I needed that a little less because I established a pretty good network, right? And uh, then it became more selfishly about, you know, me, you know, what do, what, is, what do I want? And, and the needs of my, my partner, you know, what does she want? And that big assessment brings into your life a reality whether or not you're going to go for it or not. When you really believe, scratch that, when you know, because a no is different than a belief, right? You don't believe you can ride a bike. You mm -hmm. know how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. When you know that you need something, you know, you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we did. And this is exactly sort of why we did it, you know? So assessing, you know, everything around you to make your goals a reality is like, you know, critical path to getting what you need. When you first, you mentioned in New York and you started off on your entrepreneurial journey, which I think is a great way to put it, because I think a lot of individuals, the demographic that consumes a lot of our, our, our content, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to start a business or I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to break, you know, the, the path that's been set for me. And they turn to one first thing. And if, and if you don't meet early success, it, be, it can become very hard. I think uh, what I wanted to ask is, what was that first thing for you? What, what kicked off the entrepreneurial journey? And still on, on that same kind of notion of, did you have to fight through a, that that wasn't supposed to be your path, whether it's from family or college or friends, you know, why are you over there doing that? We all got normal jobs. What, yeah. what was that first moment like for you? Take me back to that, that beginning. Yeah. So it was really natural. It, it's, it's like the universe sort of guided me and in a few ways. And if I would unwrap that, you know, universal statement, I was sucked at school. I was a horrible at school. I, and I never saw the point in extending my education because I was hustling. You know, mm -hmm. I was out there, I was doing it. Mm -hmm. And early on, I was getting kicked in the face. And we're talking about pre iPhone, you mm -hmm. know, birth, start of the internet. And at self employed, startup wasn't a word. And being self employed was very, very rare. Mm -hmm. I remember bringing home my first check. My parents thought I was a drug dealer. I mean, that's how far, that's how we're going back. So it was yeah. a different mindset. You know, it was weird to be an entrepreneur. If you wanted to be successful, you had to be a lawyer or a doctor or go to school. Yeah. So I really did have to fight that, especially at home. I had to ignore the naysaying. I, but I knew it in my soul because it was working. I mean, I wasn't making millions of dollars. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I was bringing home checks and mm -hmm. that's more than what I was doing at school. 
at school, I was learning how to dissect frogs. Yeah. No, I couldn't see the. the Did you have a disdain for it? Did you not like school at all? I liked socially. I liked school. Mm -hmm. I did not like people telling me what I needed to learn. Mm -hmm. I really didn't feel connected to a a non-choice when we're old enough to make a choice and forced to do mundane shit that we really don't want to do. I was that, that I was a revolting against that. Yeah. And I, my grades spoke for it. I was not a good student. I was a good student when I applied figures, whether it was a teacher that gave you bad grades, but, but still said, you're a good human gave you confidence. Was it at home? You said you had some naysayers at home. Was there anyone that kind of said, Hey, don't tell anyone I'm telling you, but keep, keep doing what you're doing. That gave you that kind of confidence. Because I think, again, there's a lot of individuals that it's right there in front of their face, but they don't want to let the people down almost like empathy for others can be crippling in these times of big decision-making because you don't want to let your mom down. You don't want to let that teacher down. You don't want to be the person getting bad grades and there's a fine line between the conviction of needing to do your thing versus letting others down. Is there anyone yeah. or something that kind of gave you that little push that people can maybe look to find on their own? Yeah. Look, I, I was past trying to please my mom because I knew she, we didn't see the path. The, I, I did want to please her and I did in other ways as much as I could. And she always says now that, you know, I've had some successes that, oh, I've always knew you were going to be. It was not like that. It was not like that. Um, so I would say that that actually motivated me. The, the trust in what in my ability and what I was doing from all surrounded by all angles was, was adding fuel to my fire. I had to prove it. It, it stopped becoming about money. And mm-hmm. it was more about me being right. Like I need to do this. I was fueled by the passion of doubt and I used those chips and I stacked them in my backpack when I was ready to pull them out and make a big thing happen. And you don't realize that right away. You don't know that it hurts and it's painful. But as you get older, when you keep going, you revert that pain into wins. Mm -hmm. And inevitably the biggest naysayers in my life gave me the, gave me the most fuel to add to my fire that got me through some of the toughest moments uh, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So it's almost about changing, you know, the perspective and being thankful for, those that that don't believe in you put the people that are not in your corner as the fuel let me put it to you like this tyler absolutely you know we have to take an inventory of how we got to where we go and 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 how we learn things and if you were to take it i'm sure and everybody's similar to this effect whether they like it or not but if you took an inventory of the difficult people in your life and the easy people that you love being around you would see that the difficult people makes you up your game so much Mm. more than the easy people. It's sort of like, you know, I equate it to like playing, you know, uh, you know, a handball, right? If you play handball against people that you're better, you're better than them. You're, you're, you're going to have fun and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to be scoring all the points, but then play against a difficult person and it sucks and it's, you're sweating and you're running all around, but wait, but, but see how much better you get. Mm-hmm. playing with that sweat and grit, you know, your game levels up so much more and that's life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, seeking that out? I, I, it's so true. Is there, is there something that you use almost as a reminder, as a reset 
and we can use that to kind of transition into, you know, as an entrepreneur, you've been involved in, in many different, you know, ventures. Are there certain times of comfort or are there certain signs that you look for? Because even as you level up, if you go to that new stage, you know, after time, those surroundings then also begin to become comfortable, you know, and, and you, you can get back into that zone of, all right, I know this, I know these games, I'm better than everyone on this court now. Do I want to get out there and, and re-go and re-step re into a new arena? Are there certain things around you that you use as kind of signs to say, hey, I got I to gotta put myself back in the, you know, I got to go to the court over. There's a little better game going on over there. Yeah. So Tyler, I just read a really good book that reminds me of this question. It's called Winning, right? I'm sure you've heard of it by now. Uh, and the guy who trained Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. he was Michael Jordan's first uh, client as a, as a, uh, a physical trainer. And, uh, he did a lot of work with Kobe and he talks about this. He talks about winning, right? Winning is a temporary, um, the reward is temporary, mm -hmm. right? And it's sweet and it's awesome. But then if you want to, if you want it, it goes away right away and you got to get right back at it. A lot of the same lessons we learn over and over again. Sure, you get better at certain things, like handing the mentality of it all, understanding that you're going through something. You know, when you put yourself in hell and you go there and it's hot as, 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 as can I curse on yep, this, by yep, the way? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it's hot as fuck and you get there. You know, the next time you get there, it's still hot as fuck, but you're more prepared, right? Mm -hmm. So it's say that, the, you know, the, the landscape may change if you go into different industries and if you hop around from project to project like I have over in my life, but that kitchen is still fucking hot as hell, right? Yeah, but yeah. when you, when you, cause you've been there before you could, you smell the burn and you're like, I've smelt this before. Mm -hmm. So you, you equip yourself with more tools, with more armor, with more skin. And then it doesn't hurt. It hurts less, but, but it doesn't, it's not that it's not there. Right. So yeah. I would say that I would say that. And by the way, that book is fucking phenomenal. I got to check it out. I, I, the, the, the life, the Michael Jordan, the life book, uh, was, has been a huge, I, every, every probably once a year, I go back and read that. Yeah. So you don't get more, you don't get more, sorry to interrupt you. No, go, go. No, you don't get, you don't get more, uh, gritty and, 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 and you realize when you see the backgrounds, you know, you, you see the wins of MJ and you see the wins of Kobe, but you don't see what they had to do to get there. You ultimately think that they're born with all this talent, yeah. which they were, but it's applying that inevitably got them to where they are. And, uh, this guy wrote about, their stories in the wars and how their mentalities were relentless, absolutely relentless. Yeah. And that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And the sacrifices, like I, I do think, you know, a lot about that. And, and I think the the sometimes when you are going for it, the people closest in your life are the ones that can question you the most. And that can be tough. And when, when I think about Kobe, when I think about Jordan, when I think about LeBron, I think about, all the close friends and family that told them they were crazy. And, and I think that's really tough for a lot of people because they live their lives to make those people happy, you know, but they're conflicted with what they want th uh, themselves. Um, 
you know, so, and I think it's the same with reapplying yourself, learning, recommitting, um, and going there. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk to you about, uh, Ali and your agency, um, and the media landscape and startup and, and raising money and how, you know, those core, you talk about startups, you talk about media, raising money, all three are generally like, okay, I can understand that. But then you layer in what the, the, the rate of change in business and industry over time. Um, and so I just want to get a little bit of, of that business, what that's been like for you and how you navigate the change within it, because it's yeah. the same thing, reapplying, re-innovating under the yeah. same umbrella. Um, would love to just hear the, the founding story and what led you to getting getting into that business and, and your two second blurb on what what Allie is. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So Allie started as much like we were early days, started as a co-working space. Um, I ultimately got enamored with bringing people together, bringing community together and really providing value to these people's lives. So I got I got sort of like stuck in this value loop. And I really wasn't concerned with scaling. We really were concerned with how we bring value to this group. And everybody knows early on in Alley, 2010, 2012, you know, we were a group. You know, we partied, we gave each other everything. It was the startup of an amazing emerging tech scene in New York City where it just started to bubble out. And we really helped, and we really helped each other through some really rough times and celebrated some awesome times. Shout out to those you know, who was ever watching this that, uh, that was part of that original crew. But essentially, you know, just like you said, businesses change, landscape shift. And I saw early on that WeWork was a bullshit model. You know, I was preaching this shit eight years ago. You know, we were saying that, uh, did I lose you? I, got, I, I lost you for a half second, but I heard you. We work okay, sorry. bullshit so, model. Keep yeah, we, we, eight years ago, I was preaching, who would ever listen to me, that the big, because I was in it, you know, mm -hmm, I, I realized mm -hmm. the dynamics, you know, you can't give away space for free. You yeah. know, you can't, you can't give, you know, the best beer on the planet away for free. At some point, somebody's going to have to pony up like where the mm -hmm. fuck. So it just didn't make sense to me anyway. So we needed to make money. We made a small amount of money off the real estate, but we started to make a lot of money from big organizations wanting to, to connect to our community. So it became this whole open innovation. How do we innovate for large organizations? And through that, we attracted some wonderful organizations. One of them happens to be Verizon, who's a, who's a big investor in the company now. And the business pivoted into being more corporate focused, where we can create corporate opportunities to connect to community and startups and bridge the gap between small companies that have like nothing mm -hmm. to these large companies that have everything. They just don't know exactly how to deploy it. And that world really wasn't for me. So I, I fired myself and I was really proud to do it. A couple of years ago, uh, a year and a half, almost two years ago, I hired a CEO. Her name is Noelle Tassi. She runs the business and she's absolutely amazing. She spoke both language, startup and corporate, where mm -hmm. I can't deal with corporate. They hated me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm into building things yeah, with my heart. I so, yep, and, I, uh, I get it. But, 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 but it was a blessing because when we got less space oriented, you know, we would have died during the pandemic. We were that small. You know, we only had about eight locations nationally. 
And uh, we would have been dead, but we did everything online and she pivoted masterfully and Allie's still around today and she's running it and I'm chairman of that business. But we were able to do that. And uh, by hook or by crook, you know, we figured that out through the fires and pits and, you know, yeah. abysses of it all. One day at a time. When you decided to fire yourself, when you decided to remove yourself from something that you had built through your time, through your sweat, through your emotions over many years, did you, how, how planned were you, how, how, how buttoned up were you on the landing of the plane in your own life? Meaning the day, the first day after you were no longer CEO, of course you have responsibilities, you're chairman, of course, that's your baby. That's been your life. But when you'd made that decision, was it, Hey, everything needs to be set up for the first day post this or did you want to give yourself some time and and I really kind of ask this to because I had a bit of a similar situation you know myself but I think anyone that's one or two years out of college that's just gotten a degree you know that has gone to work somewhere and they've realized that this is not for them yet they just spent a lot of money on whatever the college degree may be or there's the age old, your resume has to show you've been here two years or the, why would you ever quit a job with not having another one lined up? What was that offboarding like for you? Did you take some time? Was that healthy? Did you go right into the next thing? How do you think about that? Yeah, let me unpack that because you asked a lot. There. Yeah, I did. Yep. I'll tell you this. I ultimately believe I'm not that organized of a person. So I have a lot of organized people around me. Noelle, the CEO of Valley, is extremely organized. So she coordinated everything masterfully. But mm-hmm. from my perspective, um, I, would say, I would say that not only – there, there, there is always going to be that emotional aspect of making the, de- the definitive decision of whether or not I should move forward with something. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like it's about value creation. Like, am I, am I creating value for myself? Am I creating value for others? And if you feel like you're creating value in another way and the universe is telling you that, you got to lean in on that. I see all too often that people get stuck in this whole, you know, algorithm thing. I got to be in here. Look, just like you said, Tyler, I got to be in for two years and I got to I got to get my I got to get my dirt. I got to get my clout on mm-hmm. LinkedIn so they believe me. I don't really feel it to be true. I feel like you got to let the universe kick you in the ass for a while. You got to muddle yourself around. You got to fucking try everything when you're young. I love when Gary Vee says that mm-hmm. shit because like, it's so true. You know, you got to let yourself fail. Failure is part of the fucking process. If you're not embracing failure, you're not fucking doing it right. If you're not uncomfortable, doing it right. In the right zone. You want to do something great? Did I, did I lose you? I got you. I got, I got you. you. <laughs> Sorry. You want to do something great, you got to pay the price. And that price is uncomfortability, right? So I would say that there's going to be those moments, buckle up, create value, focus on that value. Think about the things that you loved doing. Think about the joy that you're bringing others. And ultimately, you're going to land on your feet. Love it. So then you, you step away. When did the next business start to come about? Was it always, I'm immediately going to go do the next thing? What was that? What was that like first moment? 
Like, give me that, that, give me the, I came up with this idea or this name, or this is my, this is now my thing. When did that start to manifest? You know, post 40, <laughs> which I'm at right now, it's crazy to say that, you know, you start to look at the world differently. You start to look like, what, 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 who am I impacting? Right. I used to think with Ali, if I empowered other people to build amazing shit, then I'm, I'm putting my hand in that, you know, I'm, I'm enabling, I'm helping them. And ultimately things are going to come to the world and I'm going to have a little bit of piece of that. But I started to want more, you know, and not money, you know, uh, value. I wanted to create more value. Um, and ultimately what the pandemic did was it gave us all an opportunity to pause, you know, and, and really reevaluate life. Mm -hmm. And at that same time, I was getting plagued, you know, with a lot of need for help. I had a lot of friends and family that knew about my past. And I started my entrepreneurial career in New York, but I started in the debt business where we were helping people with debt, which was the most dirtiest, most, you know, just tough business, so much negative gravity. But I knew that people needed the help and that's what I got attached to. But people knew about that. You know, they knew that I did that. So during the pandemic, a lot of these problems started to occur with people that couldn't pay their bills and people that I knew and it wasn't one or two people, it was dozens. And they started calling me day in, day out. And I was like, you know what? There's gotta be a better solution to it. And then I, I was like, this is the moment. You know, this is the moment. This is, this is what I could take, you know, put my staple, you know, in life. This is the value that I can create for the people around me. This is the help that I could provide for so many people that need it. And even if I fail, you know, I tried to do something so great. And my partners and I ultimately, you know, rest on those, on that laurel, you know, and that became, you know, how, you know, mm -hmm. but that's another story altogether, mm -hmm. but that's, that's ultimately what happened. Did you, was there any bit of, okay, I need different skills than I may have currently to pull this off? You mentioned totally. just before totally. you're not the most organized person, but you surrounded yourself with organized people. There's, yep. I, you know, what is, uh, you, you've been through such a, a, a cycle of being in the game and understanding and picking up these lessons and, and something like, okay, I need to surround myself, you know, to, I, I'm weak at this, but I know that I'm going to raise some capital and I know the first pieces that I need, but how about, Hey, I'm interested in this and I, I don't really have a baseline knowledge or understanding. I need to actually acquire those skills personally. Oh, yeah. What was oh, that yeah. like for you? You know, I'll tell you, Tyler, that starting a business, you know, we are, and you should be seekers of the truth, learning a space so well that you know that you have a, a high chance of success. If you hit it, then it'll work. And so that became the puzzle to put together all of these pieces to really believe that we can do this. And ultimately I knew that this type of business needed a, a, a monster tech stack. I needed technical co-founders because I'm not technical. I knew that I needed people with style. I knew that I wanted a diverse team because it's ultimately a diverse problem for everybody. So it became who we really wanted to work with, who I really wanted to work with. So then I, looked at my network, which I built, you know, pre in the alley days. And I found the best engineers, the best, most talented designers and the best thinkers and behavioral scientists that we could put together that ultimately built the team to start doing that truth seeking before raising capital. Right. Yeah. And then it became a year 
of doing due diligence and learning about the space. And that was really diving in on a, on a very, very granular level, making sure that if I raise this money, that we can pull it off or at least do our best to pull it off. Because the last thing you want to do is raise capital and not come through. And you ultimately be creating uh, a pathway where people of mistrust. Mm -hmm. Do you? I don't know if you got that. I, I I lost you for about two seconds in there, but I think we have the we I, I think we have the thought. What I was going to say is, we're in such a fast paced, go go go, get it done, success now. What I just heard from you is you did truth seeking, you know, for a year after you had the conviction for the thought and the idea. Just give me a little on like what patience has meant for you what holding your breath or taking your time um has allowed for you because you know i i personally just turned 30 and i feel like i graduated college yesterday but mm -hmm. i remember those last two years you know of college or even senior year of high school and you kind of are like feel like you can be the man or the woman right when you graduate, you're going to get the job at this big name place and make a ton of money. And, and that's what you're going for. I would love to just hear a little bit of what the, the patience has meant for you through all of it. Yeah, I think that that's great, Tyler. I totally understand. I still feel like when I look in the mirror, I see a 16 year old. I still feel it. Yeah. I still feel it. So um, even though that's very not true, I would say that it's a mindset, right? You want to step in this game, you have to have a mindset. And the mindset that you have to have is that you're a fucking scientist, right? And you're going into the laboratory and you're putting pieces together and you're figuring out a formula and that formula is not going to work right away. You're not going to get it right. You're going to, so you have to have that, that, that longevity mindset, like a scientist, where when you step into a lab, you know, you're you, ultimately the goal is to figure it out. And hey, you might never figure it out, right? And that's why your why and your mm. passion is so important. But in the process, you're going to learn so many different things. There's so many value points that are going to come out. And if you don't hit it right this time, you might not be working on the right project. And you can apply all those things you learned to the next project you're working on, which ultimately has happened to me many times over. But I will tell you that just thinking like that, that fucking nails it. You know, you get into that room and you start mixing the formula and you get some negative feedback and you look at that as data instead of emotion, you're fucking golden. That's amazing. On the the, the scientist, you know, part, uh, I'm going to really kind of change gears, make it a little bit more open-ended here. 1.37 p.m., we, we use the tagline for the curious. And, and I've always been drawn to individuals with, open minds that can find interest in just about anything. You know, you go into a room and you look around and cool, let's have a conversation about that. Uh, what are some things outside of maybe business or something that we've spoken about for the last kind of 40, 30 minutes? What are you curious about right now? I'm curious. I, I, I'm curious about everything. You know, I like to dabble in everything. I'm definitely not an expert in one thing, but I like to know a little bit about everything. I'm definitely, definitely curious about the digital currency space. I'm, digit, I'm curious about NFTs. I know that it smells like the future. It smells like the way the internet did in the in the mid '90s. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about 
just life right now. Like, like, where are we going? Hmm. Like what's happening? Like, how are we fixing shit? You know, not just the problems that I'm trying to solve, but I, I know, and I know that there's a ton of passionate people out there, which gives me hope that mm-hmm. we're going to solve some major fucking problems. But, you know, look at what's going on right now in the world. You got wildfires all over the place, climates we've never seen. So I'm curious about that. You know, how we, how do we get in? How do we do our part? How do we help? I'm also curious about the youth. Like who's listening to this? Like how motivated are you? Are you, uh, I want to know, are you able to get kicked in the face? You know, are you soft, you know, or are you hard as fuck and you're ready to do this shit and solve some real fucking problems? So I'm curious about that. And that's inevitably why I'm also a professor. I'm an adjunct professor at Florida International University. Mm-hmm. I know I'm like a, a non-traditional, <laughs> you know, ah. I teach a class on the entrepreneurial mindset. This is what we talk about. And I'm curious, you know, because you you have to be. If you're if you're not curious about value, if you're not curious about what you could do for others, how are you going to fucking figure it out, you know? So uh, I would say that I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a, a, a connoisseur of the curious. Of the curious, nice. The the being a professor, it sounds it sounded for a second like you are a professor because you are able to glean insights and the value that it can create for you. Sure. Is, well, it, is that true? Yeah, there was a lot of discussion. My first, I think I'm, I'm missed you for a sec, so I'm going to wait. You're back? I'm back? Yeah, I am. Hang on one second. I'm just going to okay. move something real quick. I don't think it's on my end, though. It might be on my end. I should be. I've been having great, I got like the craziest internet installed. Sorry. Tyler, I'm Anyways, here. I'll come in and post and clean this up. Okay. Okay, cool. Hopefully you're getting enough. I think, I think we got some good here. More than good. So, so I would say that, you know, it was, it was a beautiful byproduct of my first class that I didn't expect where I got some really useful pearls and insights about myself. And, 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 the, and I learned from the generation that's up and coming how they're thinking about things, which was also beautiful because then you can understand how you can insert value, you know, into their lives. So I would say, yeah, it's, it's all that exercise and plus some. One thing that I've, when uh, I get the opportunity to talk to a fair amount of uh, getting ready to graduate college or just graduated and, you know, not sure how they should navigate looking for a a job, you know, or a starting position. And the majority of the mindset is, I need to find, you know, the best looking company name, and the highest salary, and then take from that. And one thing that I talk a lot about is impact and the ability to learn and be challenged, you know, and, and what are the other things, the other value propositions from doing said job than just the title, the salary, and the company you're working at. And, and I would love to just hear for a second from you of things that you do outside of business that are able to fuel you know, okay, you can lift weights because it gives you big muscles, but then there's the 40 other reasons because, you know, it's good habit, keeping you on a routine, self-discipline, doing things that you don't want to be doing. Are there other things that you constantly are saying, Hey, I'm doing this, not for the reason on the surface, but something else. Do you like to read, you know, certain Mm -hmm. ways you spend your time. Some people like to cook, not because 
it, yeah. you know, because it's therapeutic for the, whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, that's great. Um, I love to read. I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate of learning from others. My grandfather used to say, uh, let me try to get this right. Uh, let me get this right. Cause I don't want to do injustice to my grandfather. Yeah. Not yeah. that I don't want to get it right for your podcast. I don't want yeah. to fuck up no, my grandfather's no, yeah. words. He used to say, smart people learn from other people's mistakes. Stupid people Wait, hold on. I can't even say it. I can't even remember. It was something okay. to the effect of uh, average, average intelligence, average intelligent people don't really learn at all. I, I forgot. It. Yeah, I forgot. It. I don't want to fuck up a quote. I, okay. I, I care yep. too much. I <laughs> yeah. can make it up, but I'm not yep. gonna. We'll, we'll get it. It'll come me. back to you once it, it comes is. back to you. But there's we'll a do saying in there. But ultimately, I think I, I, there's a lot to unpack there from what you just said. I, I understand why people gravitate towards brands and they want to be sexy, but I think that that's fleeting. And I think that when you're, when you care too much about brand and sexiness, these brands know. So the experience is less than, or they live up to the hype. If a company has got a sexy brand and they live up to the hype and they create so much value for their employees, that's a great place to work. But if they're not, you got to get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. It's all about your value. Time is your most valuable fucking asset you can never get it back you can get all the money back that you lost you can never get back your time you're going to spend time in a miserable place just because it's got a fucking sexy brand no you're going to spend time in a place because you're getting value out of it assess value quickly and get the fuck out or get in hard mm. right get back hard i love that before we part anything uh anything you want to get across uh now they just kind of have a little platform um and if not i'd love for you to just do a little plug on uh on the app relief and and what the best way for people to check that out is so we're building we're, we're currently launching when are you launching this podcast by the way this will likely come out thursday okay so hopefully we will launch by wednesday nice so we just came live with the app relief it's an app that helps people in credit card debt. It's, it's so needed. There's, not, there's an app for everything. There's mm -hmm. a luxury app for investment, buying cars, and getting, getting a car. There's no real traditional app that you could think of that helps people that are falling behind on the credit card bills, and that's what we're building. So if you or your loved one or you know anybody, go to relief.app and sign up for our wait list. Not only is it free to use throughout the whole process, we're giving you cash to sign up early to our wait list. So sign up today and uh, we really want to help you. We want to help as many families across America. That's amazing. Relief.app. Jason, yep. appreciate you taking the time, man. This has been fun. Enjoy Tyler, Boulder. Absolutely. I'm jealous, Thanks, brother. Man. That's amazing. Boulder <laughs> is a gonna, special, special I place. Gonna, I was going to take you guys in my yard and show you show you the hills but 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 the the, the internet definitely doesn't work yeah yeah you have to, well, well where uh instagram where can people find you at, um uh, so i'm at jason saltzman on instagram at saltzman jason on twitter reverse Amazing. it and you're doing a little tiktok yeah. too right i'm trying to get started i see what's know? going on i like what you're putting out plus, there baby Flo let's 40 go plus. let's, let's go <laughs> nice well enjoy man um all the best and i appreciate the time jack We'll Thanks, be in touch, Tyler. Right? Appreciate you. See you guys. Take care. See you. Bye. Bye. This is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1.37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.